1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast. The podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lore cast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me are my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. And I'm terribly sorry for the week off that we took. Uh, I was sick. Um Rona. It was all Aaron's <laughs> fault. It's my fault. It was my fault. I'm better now. Uh, we're all good. But uh, I want to thank all the patient fans and listeners. Thank you for. Allowing me to take that week off to rest and we're back at it. So with all that being said, today's episode is about Resident Evil Dead Aim. So what do we got?
2: So we have the summary first, which I'm also going to say that according to Capcom, everything we read, it is not canon, but it seems like it's only the main fact because it doesn't take place in the main storyline.
0: Right. So there's potential for it to be. You know what? Let's not confuse everyone. It's just not canon. It is to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's not canon to everyone else who actually wants the canons line, except Daniel.
2: (laughs) Which is everybody. All right. So we will start with the summary of Resident Evil Dead Aim, which is also part of the Survivor series though non-canon. I'm going to use quotes, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. In Japan, it was a 2003 PlayStation game produced by Production Studio 3. It was produced under the Dead Aim Gun Survivor title, which was used for several games that used the light gun controllers made by Namco. It was not part of Nintendo's plan of Shinji Mikami's plan for getting it on Nintendo releases, so it did not get a GameCube release.
0: So yeah, I'm not surprised by that, because when the GameCube released, Nintendo was very particular about what was getting released on it. Uh, That was during the phases where Nintendo really, truly started to market themselves as this exclusive console kind of thing. So yeah, I'm not terribly... Terribly surprised by that.
2: But it would have been better if we would have got a GameCube release. (laughs) More money. More money. That is what I have as far as game information Mm -hmm. for its release.
0: Say, really, there's really not a lot of information on it. It really didn't change the gameplay aspects or anything. It was, it pretty much just played as any other, you know, game of its title. It was a, House of the Dead kind of render game. Yeah. So, but anyway, let's get into our story synopsis. Not synopsis. Oh. Plot. Oh, I'm so sorry. There is a Different huge, word.
1: <laughs> huge difference between a plot and the synopsis. Mm. Anyways, let's talk
0: plot. <laughs> it's been a week, all right? I've got to get back into the vibe of this thing.
1: So the game starts on board the Umbrella-owned ocean liner Spencer Rain, which has been contaminated by the T virus stolen from Umbrella's Paris labs by bioterrorist and former Umbrella employee Morpheus D. Duval.
0: That name though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Along with its secret BOW cargo intentionally released. Morpheus holds the world hostage with the U.S. and China at ransom for $1 billion. If they do not pay the money, his followers will launch missiles from an undisclosed silo with the warheads being replaced with containers of the T-Virus. Bruce McGivern, a member of U.S. StratCom's Anti-Umbrella Pursuit Investigation Team, A U.S. government task force with the sole purpose of taking down Umbrella is sent in. Alongside him is Fong Ling, sent by the Chinese MSS. Although they share the same goals and common enemy, their respective governments are against working together. During Bruce's infiltration and investigation, he is found by Morpheus and held at gunpoint on the foredeck. A surprise attack by Fong with a grenade allows Bruce to escape into the ship. With Morpheus being injured in the explosion. He later infects himself with the experimental T plus G virus.
0: Because the T virus wasn't bad enough. Let's go ahead and add the G to it. Right.
1: (laughs) So he injected himself with that in order to avoid an otherwise fatal wound. After a brief encounter with the mutated Morpheus in the cargo hold, Bruce escapes into engineering with the aid of Fong. After regaining power to parts of the ship and discovering important items, the two gain access to the bridge, with Bruce killing the infected captain in the search. To find that the Spencer Rain is on a collision course with a nearby island. Running outside to escape the ship, Bruce is forced to fight Tyrant 091, which had escaped containment before Bruce's encounter with Morpheus. Once it is defeated, Bruce jumps into the ocean and swims to the shore as the liner crashes into the cliffs on the edge of the island and is destroyed. Briefly exploring the island, which is shown to contain an abandoned umbrella facility, Bruce moves down into its waterways in search of Morpheus. Making his way through a series of underwater channels, he discovers that the island was used as a waste disposal facility for failed BOWs until it was recently lost in a biohazard outbreak. Deeper in the facility, Fong has escaped from Pluto, a failed experiment, which Umbrella lost track of, later rejoining with Bruce. It is at this point that they discover that the Chinese have given in to Morpheus' demands and have agreed to pay up, arranging for an orbital weapon satellite to kill Fong with a targeted laser device. Bruce correctly deduces that the satellite is tracking a chip in her tattoo and proceeds to dig it out with a knife. Ouch. Ouch. With the chip destroyed, the satellite ceases its attack. The two make their way to a storage facility to transport to the underwater biosphere where the missile silo is a part of. But Bruce is forced to fight Pluto before he can reach it. With the Pluto defeated, the two make their way down the elevator. Morpheus makes a sudden reappearance, sending the elevator crashing to the seafloor. The two operatives survive the crash and explore the facility, finding that Morpheus's own bioterrorist organization has already been compromised by another T-virus outbreak. Fong is captured by Morpheus, who uses her to bait Bruce into trying to save her. Bruce chooses to save her, allowing Fong to provide logistical support as he searches for the missiles. Unfortunately, a greatly mutated Morpheus prevents him from reaching the missiles in time. Though further damage causes the G-mutant to expand to such a size that the missiles simply impact him and explode. Bruce and Fong are revealed to have escaped the underwater facility's destruction by use of an escape boat floating to the surface. With her own government believing her dead, she has nowhere to go but the United States. Bruce reassures her and they kiss as U.S. Stratcom sends in a helicopter to pick them up.
0: Happy endings all around. (laughs) So one note I want to make here before we get into talking about the plot... Is that This episode will be short Well shorter than the rest of the episodes Because the game itself Is very short It takes a completionist Five hours to complete this entire game Through and through It's a very short game Uh even by the sound of the plot You can tell it's a very short and Direct game I'm short (laughs) We're talking about the game though Mm. (laughs) But all that being said, um, the first thing that stands out to my mind is that the both the American and Chinese governments sent people in, but they had them refusing to work together.
1: I think it's just because they just didn't want to work together, but they kind of had to, mm. seeing as they were both held hostage, the countries, so... yeah. I don't think it was... They're just refusing to work together. I think it was more just, I don't like you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The second thing is, the Chinese government was going to smoke their own agent.
1: I know, that's sad.
0: They were like, nah, we'll pay up. Like, they... What... In my mind, what would have led them to that conclusion?
1: Well, sacrifice one for the many.
2: Well, and if they pay up, and then she messes things up for them there, then they've just lost a billion dollars.
0: And people at that point, because then the nukes get launched in them anyway.
2: Yeah, so I think they were just like, we'll get rid of the variable of ours. So
0: that way, we don't have this issue. I mean, I can can understand that, but still, it's just...
1: Yeah, I'm not one for (laughs) sacrificing innocent people, but kill the one, save the
0: all. Yeah, I see where they're coming from, but still, it just didn't make much sense to send an agent if you're just going to pay anyway, you know, it just kind of kind of got me about the story hook.
2: Yeah.
0: But anyway, it's alright. Everything ended a happy ending and a kiss. So. <laughs> all that being said, what do we got next?
2: Alright, so next we are going to cover B.O.W.'s. So there are a couple of reoccurring B.O.W.'s which of course would be the zombie. Of course. The hunter elites and... Mm-hmm tyrants, or at least one tyrant.
0: Of course, you gotta bring the the top threes in.
2: Yes. (laughs) So the first new one I'm gonna talk about is uh, the Torpedo Kid.
0: Okay. Interesting name, but do proceed.
2: The Torpedo Kid is a failed B.O.W. They live within the waterways of the disposable facility. They were given their name because their body, shape, and swimming style makes them look like torpedoes. They are only produced by Nautilus, which is another B.O.W. But they, if you look up a picture of these things, it looks kind of like a tadpole with the human face on it.
0: Yeah, that's disturbing. Yes, (laughs) it is.
1: It should have just been a goat. Torpedo kid. (laughs) Swimming goats. I don't
2: think Umbrella really experiments on goats. (laughs) It wouldn't be Umbrella. Yet. Turns out there's a B.O.W. That's a goat. All right. So next we will cover the Nautilus, the creator of the Torpedo Kids. It is also a failed experiment of Umbrella that was to have been disposed of in the Umbrella Waste Disposal Facility. But due to the mismanagement of the facility, of course, because of Umbrella, Mm -hmm. the creature was allowed to grow and reproduce asexually in the waterways observations and data were collected on the strange mutation, but its origin remains unclear. They were originally marine ascidians, or sea squirts.
0: Sea squirts. Sea squirts.
2: Yes. And apparently, there are only two in the entire game.
0: So I just want to stop you there and say I'm so glad that uh, we have a uh, explicit rating for this podcast, because those both of those BOWs right there are very, very What's what I'm looking for in
2: not safe for work?
0: Not safe for work. Yeah, they're just they're just not. (laughs) Just the names are very ambiguous.
2: (laughs) I mean, if you work for Umbrella, they're not safe for work, anyways. Mm. Torpedo Kid means sperm. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, and squirt. Uh, Anyway,
2: all right. So next we will cover the Glimmer. This one sounds like it'd be a fun one, but it would not be. Don't worry, kids. Don't talk to any Glimmers. (laughs) Glimmers are a mutant variety of hunter. The Glimmers, of course, are human-animal hybrids. Their body shape was frog-like, comparable to the amphibian Hunter Gamma. Their unique feature was that of red compound eyes, which grew above its mouth, though they were photosensitive, and and Glimmers consequently kept themselves in the dark spaces. To quickly digest food glimmers, produced excessive amounts of stomach acids, and could vomit on threats as a defense mechanism.
0: All right. And just when you didn't think this episode could get any grosser, there it is.
2: Oh, no. Everybody should look up the picture of the next B.O.W., the Pluto. All right. Oh, look. All these are umbrellas-failed experiments. (laughs) The Pluto was one of umbrellas-failed bioweapon experiments, as I said. Shares its name with the Roman god of the underworld, Rather than most B.O.W.'s, Pluto was a mutant human, a man only identified as A. Originally, a man imprisoned for a capital offense, Umbrella was able to get him to participate in what he believed to be a pharmaceutical trial. Taken to a facility on an island in the Atlantic Ocean, he was kept in containment for a month before initiating the experiment, leaving him distressed. On Thursday, September 26, 1996, His doctors began by hammering a metal rod into his frontal lobe to prevent him from being able to feel pain, which they considered necessary for humanitarian reasons.
0: That, that was the moment they decided to be humane about everything they do.
2: I don't think anything with umbrellas humane.
0: No. On September
2: 29th, his eyes were surgically removed to take part in research on how it would affect his senses. On October 9th, he was injected with experimental steroids to assess the growth of muscles, which quickly expanded disproportionately. On October 31st, his body finally responded to the loss of eyesight by developing increased hearing allowing him to track his doctor's movements. On November 5th, Pluto made his escape with the use of his new abilities, killing five guards in the process. Due to serious failings and safety standards, starting from Morpheus Duvall, Pluto was never captured by the Umbrella Security Service or by workers and was left to roam the facility for several years. By 2002, the facility had been abandoned by Umbrella HQ and occupied it by terrorists. U.S. Stratcom agent Bruce McGirvin made his way to the facility and killed Pluto in a storage room.
0: So, <laughs> let me get this straight. Umbrella said, it's failed. It escaped. Meh. And just let it roam free for
2: years. They probably had no way to track it and was like, yeah, we don't have the manpower. But we have its eyes. (laughs) I
0: just feel like this... mm, I just feel like this game in particular painted Umbrella to be very, very incompetent. I
1: mean, they kind of are.
2: Yeah, how many outbreaks do you suffer through before you realize, hey, somebody in this factor, this facility is not correct?
0: Well, true, but the thing is, is that a lot of those outbreaks, as we know, since we've discussed them earlier on in the episodes, were planned outbreaks. A lot of those outbreaks were either planned or had outside influence. Whereas these were outbreaks because people were being idiots.
1: Meh. I can see where you're coming from.
0: Mm, I mean, this this uh, video game and the series, particularly to me, just screams like they were painting Umbrella to be incompetent fools. And we know that not to be true. We, we know that to not be true.
1: Maybe that's why it's not canon.
0: Mm. <laughs> but anyway, sorry for interrupting <laughs> again. It's just these are things that are popping in my head. The more we go deeper into these B.O.W.s, because there's often a lot of failed experiments that didn't get destroyed. And then this one gets out. Nobody does anything about it. It's kind of... Eh. <laughs>
2: Maybe they didn't have the manpower because they turned one into an experiment. <laughs> we need one more man. Oh, well, well, he's an experiment right now. So <laughs> not happening. All right. So the last one I have, which is kind of a two part is the Halper, the Halbert, which it appears to be based on wasp or a close, a close relative of them and features the carapace of a horseshoe crab, giving them considerable resilience comparable to that of a cockroach.
0: Fantastic.
2: There were two distinguished cast of Halbert when encountered by Bruce McGurvin. The queen was the primary individual routinely giving birth to her small offspring from her huge abdomen at an, at an expected amount at an expected maximum of tens of thousands in a
0: lifetime. Nope.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll say it for Ariel. Nope.
2: Yeah, these things do look like a weird insect wasp that uh, I would not want to encounter, nor the queen, because that's a lot of them. But that's what I have on those B.O.W.'s.
0: Gross. So this one's not a failed experiment?
2: Uh, It just says it's experimental.
1: I feel like every single experiment they've done is a failure because there's ways to kill them. (laughs) That <laughs> Nothing really reigns supreme.
0: No, that's, that's what I was going to bring up next was that technically by the definition of this game, every single experiment is a failure.
1: Every single experiment in every single Resident Evil game mm. is a failure.
0: See, we'll get into the failures versus non-failures at uh, Umbrella's level when we start talking about the CGI movies. Because the, C- the CGI movies do explain what their definition of failed and not failed is.
1: Well, for Ariel, the only (laughs) definition of not failure is something that will kill everybody and you can't kill it.
0: (laughs) Well, all that being said, with the uh, discussion over, next we have to get into our characters, our Easter eggs, and our unlockables. But first, let's go to our (laughs) mid-break. Well, here we are, in the middle of the show. And the first thing we have to do is thank our patrons. <laughs> Woo! Woo! So, I'd like to thank our patrons, our official patron Anthony Bellotti, our all access patrons, Remington Cloutier and Chris Slate, and our VIP patrons, Wolfslure and Saint You guys are great. They are fantastic. Saint and Wussler, as VIP patrons, are, I think in the next month, are going to be receiving the exclusive uh, Patreon-only t-shirts that we've designed. So That's what's up. I'm pretty excited for that. (laughs) You're not even enthusiastic about it.
1: does my voice ever sound enthusiastic
0: no you're right it's always the same tone i had to give you a hard time about it but yeah so yeah we're going to in the next coming month we're going to work on some more patreon exclusive uh, episodes for everyone and yeah we're really excited where 2022 is going to take us so all that being said daniel what'd you bring for us today all right. So Ariel's already seen the merchandise
2: that I am going to be presenting. Oh. And it's awesome. So tpublic.com has a shirt called Kill Jill t-shirt. Oh, um, excuse moi. Yes. So the color they have still makes it look pretty awesome because it's in maroon, but you can get it multiple colors. It's got a yellow background, just like Kill Bill. And it says Kill Jill Volume 3. It's got Nemesis... Wearing Uma Thurman's <laughs> uniform with a little umbrella logo on it, and he's carrying the RPG, and it and it literally says Kill Joel Volume Three on it, like, and the rocket <laughs> on, the RPG is smoking. This is like, incredible! Like he fired it. <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I was like, yes, this is going to be my merchandise. I want that shirt.
1: <laughs> Same, I really do.
2: <laughs> so right now it's on sale for thirteen dollars. <gasps> what? Before shipping but it's normally $20 which says it will go back up in a day or so but we know how deals work. Mm-hmm. So you can find that on tpublic.com and you should be able to look up Kill Jill t-shirt and it does have multiple colors and we will link it in the show notes and discord and wherever else we put it.
0: Mhm. So I <laughs> I really want one of those shirts. Yeah, and for same. 13 bucks, that's not bad even with shipping. Like even if it's 5 bucks shipping, that's not it's not bad for a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So, at any rate, Ariel, what did you bring for us today in the world of Resident Evil?
1: Well, I've read an article. Oh, boy. Like I always do. One mm-hmm. of these days, I'm going to mix it up, and I'm going to throw something else out there. Throw some not. Merch. Yeah. <laughs> so, the article I have for you today is, Resident Evil 4 Fan Made HD Remaster is Arriving in February. And this is by GameSpot. Mm-hmm. So, a fan-made Resident Evil 4 remaster has been in the works for eight years, and a new trailer for the finished project is out, created by Chris Morales and Albert Marin, two guys with day jobs who absolutely love Resident Evil 4. The unofficial RE4 HD project will feature heavily improved graphics and textures. So... Uh, In the creator's own words, they scaled up each texture up to 8 to 16 times the original resolution in most cases and redrawing, remaking from there. So this will be available for free to download on February 2nd and is compatible with the 2014 RE4 Ultimate HD Edition, which is available on Steam for any interested players. So I will say that I did watch the trailer I didn't notice much of a difference.
0: Yeah it's more of a quality of life improvement than it is anything. So you know it's not something that it's not something to scoff at because these two did put a lot of work into retexturing and remapping and things like that but if you're looking for a new game experience I don't think you're going to find it here you know it's not like a remake like 2 or 3 was
1: yeah, but I can appreciate that dedicating eight years mm-hmm. to a video game that you love.
0: Oh yeah, to make like, it. Like look- I can respect that definitely. Oh yeah, and they did make it look better. You know, they there is a lot of drastic changes in the appearance, you know, quality of life, appearance kind of thing, you know, water textures, things like that. So no, again, nothing to scoff at. No, it's worth it's worth a checkout.
1: Uh yeah, you know I will. <laughs>
2: I did want to say Did you notice Who the creators were First name of Chris First name of Albert
0: mm-hmm. I was going to say something
2: <laughs> That's what I, But I
0: saw your eyes light up When she said that I was
2: like What is going on
0: here <laughs> That's all I wanted to say about so, that. And for those of you That are worried That this will cause The RE4 Potential You know Remake that's been, you know, whispered about in the wind to be stopped, or any of these other games. This isn't gonna stop anything. Um, I say this because we've had multiple games in the past been emulated and modded and, you know, created for different platforms through the community. This hasn't stopped the original creators from reproducing and recreating
1: games. Well, yeah, this was solely a fan-made. Mm-hmm. game much like the um, Code Veronica.
0: Yep. So with all that being said I too have an article. Uh, Mine is from Comic Book. The now we don't know how true this is but the headline says Resident Evil Outrage may have been cancelled by Capcom. Now here's the thing this this I'm going to sum up this entire article for everyone because it's a long read, and we will post it in the show notes if you want to take a look at yourself. But basically, uh, Nate the Hate, who is a well-known leaker of the Resident Evil community, uh, leaked out that um, Resident Evil uh, Outrage was a potential Nintendo Switch exclusive. In um, yada yada, well, it's come out recently that that's not the case. Uh, Resident Evil Outrage was supposed to be a multiplayer experience game and it sounds like it's been put on hold because nobody's really been able to find any leaks about it again the game that everyone was talking about potentially being a Nintendo Switch exclusive was actually Resident Evil Revelations 3 which is another game which people are starting to think is a potentially cancelled game and that is because there's not you, We really can't find any leaks On it anymore The thing is, you have to keep in mind Is Nintendo is very hush-hush About their products And they always have been uh, So don't lose hope It just means That there is a extremely high Potential that Nintendo Has gotten Their official, yep, we want to do it And have closed the doors to everything You know, we experienced this with the uh, GameCube. All we knew was a name and that it's going to take discs. That's all anybody really knew when it came out. Um, We experienced this again when Netflix was talking about doing a Legend of Zelda series and Nintendo pulled out last minute. It was because Netflix leaked that they were going to do the series. Nintendo is notorious for keeping their doors closed. So don't give up hope on the Revelations 3 exclusive Switch and don't give up hope on outrage.
2: I never give up hope. (laughs) Well, and if, if Outrage is supposed to have Rebecca in then... it.
0: <laughs> of course. Well, with all that being said, I think it's time for us to get to the end of the episode. Yeah! Well, here we are at the end of the show. Well, we still have characters, Easter eggs, and unlockables to cover. So let's go ahead and dive into our characters.
1: Well, we have a whole whopping three. (laughs) So I'm going to start with Bruce McGivern. He is an American serviceman who served in the Anti-Umbrella Pursuit and Investigation Team, or OPIT.
0: I'm so glad they changed the name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A highly classified special operations task force within the multi-branch US Stratcom. McGivern was known amongst his comrades for his reckless behavior and completing his missions. He also possessed a strong sense of justice and was willing to die for his ideals. And unfortunately, there is no blood type.
0: So, not that much information on Old Brucey Boy.
1: Brucey Boy. So, next we have Fong Ling and still no blood type. Ah. Uh. But Fong Ling was a female intelligence agent employed by the Chinese Ministry of State Security until September 2002. Fong Ling's parents died shortly after her birth. That's sad. Leaving herself and her brother as orphans. Adopted by the state, she was raised to become an intelligence agent. When the state became suspicious of her brother's potential counter-revolutionary role as a pro-democratic, pro-democracy activist. She was ordered to arrest him. Never questioning the actions of her superiors, she did so, allowing him to be executed by the state on the very same day.
0: Ouch. She really has a tragic backstory. Right.
1: Over time, Fong Ling grew a reputation for her unquestionable loyalties and effectively became a poster child for the ministry's hunt for spies and counter-revolutionary members. When the former Umbrella Corporation researcher-turned-terrorist, Morpheus D. Duval, having gained possession of stolen T-virus samples, threatened the American and Chinese governments that he would launch missiles containing the virus at major cities in their respective countries if he didn't get his money... Ling being the MSS's best agent was dispatched to Morpheus's ship, the Spencer rain in order to stop him. So the rest of this is just about her in the game, which we covered in the plot. So
0: let's, hmm. so what, what throws me off with this is she's their best agent. She is the poster child for what they want to sell to their people And yet, they still, at the end, were like, eh, zapper. Like, it just shows how much they did not care about her. They gave no fucks. None.
1: (laughs) They had no more
0: fucks to give. Mm.
1: So, our last one is Morpheus D. Duval.
0: I still love that name.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he looks like a Morpheus, too, (laughs) with his white hair and shades and... (laughs) He looks pretty cool. Though he's evil as fuck. So. Morpheus D. Duval Was a bioterrorist who formerly held a senior executive position within the Umbrella Corporation. Duval's terror cell was neutralized in September 2002. Following a deliberate T-virus outbreak. On the ship. With Duval himself dying at a nearby missile silo. So Duval is known to have held a number of senior executive positions with an umbrella in the mid-1990s. Alongside their superior role within the R&D division, Duval was also commander of an island base in the Atlantic and manager of the biosphere and its adjacent waste disposal facility. Duval's career was highlighted by gross negligence towards employee safety, which led to dozens of deaths at the disposal facility following a decision to allow escape BOWs to thrive in the sewers. So he was like meh.
0: Okay, so he's the reason that Umbrella was incompetent here. Okay, that see that answers all the questions from before. Right.
1: In spite of Duval's notoriety, they managed to form a power base within the company which represented a potential threat to the company's internal structure. Umbrella's attempts to ruin Duvall's career failed, and his charisma allowed him to form a fanatical group of ex-Umbrella employees loyal only to him. Umbrella HQ was aware of these developments and planted PT within their ranks to report back. The organization held three core principles— Africa was the symbol of power on the earth, the biosphere was the symbol of worldly knowledge, and Duval was the symbol of beauty. In their interpretation of the principles, the group intended to take over the biosphere and use its secrets to finance the formation of an African colony built on eugenics principles, to be led by Duval and populated only by the most beautiful people. Duvall's obsession with beauty not only increased as time went by as noted by PT and in early 2002 Duvall underwent cosmetic surgery to better resemble their ideal self and then the rest of it was covered in the plot of what happened during the game so beauty very vain
0: yeah, I was gonna say, um he sounds very vain. Yes.
1: Hmm. I don't know, he did look really cool in the picture though.
0: Yeah. I will say that. I will yeah, he's pretty cool character.
1: Like cooler than Wesker, just not as intelligent.
0: It's very confusing through this timeline because it makes it sound like through his originally his pursuit of vain, he decided that in this, I think this is what makes him a very interesting character in the series, even though it's not canon, decided that beauty was just standard. So they underwent a transformation to become everything, which is incredible when you think about it, especially when this game came out. Well, with all that being said, I guess it's time for us to discuss unlockables and Easter eggs. Whee! All right, so let's first jump into unlockables. So the first unlockable is to play as Fong Ling. So you must first successfully complete the game, you have to complete it on any any difficulty level, and then start a new game from your original Cleared game file. Uh, and it will go through a series of prompts, and all you have to do is say yes, and you will play the majority of the game through Fongling as a character. So that's pretty cool. Um, you also can unlock an alternate title screen if you successfully complete the game. Um, and all it really does is just change the colors of the title screen. You know, you got to think PS2 days. I used to rock my PS2. <laughs> <laughs> So, when you complete, successfully complete the game with various ranks, you will also unlock an onslaught of weaponry. So, if you beat it on easy difficulty with an A rank, you unlocked all handguns and shotguns. Easy difficulty with S rank, all weapons except for the charged particle rifle. If you complete it on the recommended difficulty with an A rank, all weapons except the charged particle rifle. Uh, recommended difficulty with an S rank, all weapons except for the charged particle rifle with unlimited ammunition. So this on this one, you get unlimited ammo for all the guns.
1: Yeah, I love that. Uh,
0: extreme difficulty A rank, all weapons except for the charged particle rifle with unlimited ammunition. So it, it, the thing is, is that you complete it on, what it sounds like is you completed on difficulty, certain difficulties, you'll unlock the same thing. But on extreme difficulty with S rank, you unlock all weapons with unlimited ammunition to include the charged particle rifle. So that one's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And that's about it for the unlockables. (laughs) Now there's some cool glitches where if you wanted to pause the gameplay, you would, you can stop the clock of the game by entering the item screen, which is, something that a lot of people back in the day were like I need to know how to do this because mom said it's dinner time and I gotta go (laughs) Um, and you can get easy handgun kills um, with basically if you take an extra moment to aim at the head which is a no brainer I mean that's pretty much the same across all zombie style games but the thing was is that it's a big you know, th- keep in mind this game came out in the PlayStation 2 era where this wasn't as common as it is today. Today, a lot of the head injury mechanics in games is a very common thing. Back then, it was one of those things that didn't really get added in with the extra detail. So, that's pretty much all we got for unlockables and Easter eggs with this game. Uh, short game, not a lot was put into it. And yeah, a little disappointing on that end.
1: Yeah. It was worth a play, Mm -hmm. but
0: not one of the top games. No. So with all that being said, since we're doing this all in one episode, this is the first time we've done an entire game in one episode. False. Oh, yeah. All right. So strike that. This is the second time we've done one game in one episode. Don't you over there with your one hand going, Um, but it's time for us to give our ratings. So, Ariel, what do you got?
1: Oh, I'm going to give this three Leons out of five. Like I said, it was definitely worth the play. There could have been so much more. Mm-hmm. So much more. But, Yeah. There could have been more story, more gameplay, more things, more B.O.W.'s, more everything added to it to make it a little better.
0: I feel like you're leaning more towards a 2.5 Leon's.
1: Yeah, but (laughs) you can't have half a Leon, so just go to three.
0: Two Leon's and a handgun, then.
1: (laughs) Two Leon's and a handgun. Sure, we'll go with that. It's not Chicago level. It's definitely not an awful game by any means. It just lacked. That's Mm -hmm. all.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, Daniel, what do you got? So I'll give my number first. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it three out of five Rebecca's. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I could have used more story. Uh, I think that in my head, it's canon, even though it didn't take place in the main RE universe storyline. I think it still could have been because... It dealt with China and the United States. That could have still been an isolated incident. So in my head, it's canon. So I'm going to go with part of my three is because it's supposedly not canon.
1: They could have easily made it canon by just issuing that Umbrella did some research into a TNG virus strain.
2: And how do we know that everything that Umbrella has done as is has been said in the games yet. Because Capcom could be like, hey, we're going to bring this back later. We're going to act like it's not canon.
0: Well, I'm about to shoot all your theories in the foot. Because I'm going to give this a standard two out of five punks Because this did not live up to my expectations of a Resident Evil title. So again, not a bad game. Still worth a playthrough. It was enjoyable. But it did not live up to my expectations of storyline... Uh, I did not live up to my expectations of character development. It, it, it just, it, I felt like it was kind of lacking, uh, in a lot of departments and it's not what I, even back in the day was accustomed to with the resident evil title. But here's why I think it's not canon because nowhere in the entire history of resident evil has it ever been mentioned that terrorists challenged both the U S and China. And you think, especially since this happened in 2002, this would have been a part of the major court case that was happening.
1: I can understand your viewpoint Mm -hmm. on that.
0: Because even though the court case was in and out pretty quickly settled, there were still a lot of open court cases against Umbrella, which caused Umbrella to liquidate its assets later on in the years. So you'd think at some point it would be mentioned somewhere within the Resident Evil canon, if in fact it was a canon incident. But like I said, such a world, such a worldly impact not being mentioned, it says to me that it's not canon.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could argue with they were trying to keep it Mm hush-hush so you don't have mass panic. But yeah, I I, I see your point.
0: Yeah. America, I could see them hush-hushing it. China, mm, not so much. I feel like China would use it as propaganda to further, you know... Weaponized. certain goals weaponized yeah um but you know we're talking and keep in mind we're not talking politics here we're talking video game Capcom universe so I want to I'm going to make that out there point blank to the point <laughs> we're not expressing political views on these podcasts um but with all that being said yeah that's why uh, I mean personally I think it's not canon and that's why I give it a 2 it kind of it fell short for me in a lot of departments too short even
1: it did, but I was being generous today. I was feeling nice for
0: once. Well, uh, I think that's all the time we have. And I want to thank you dear listener for listening. I want to thank you. If you've left reviews, I want to thank you. If you've sent us feedback, I want to thank you for joining in the discord and chatting with us. If you are a fan and love, the show. I just want to say thank you. You're incredible. Patrons, everybody, everybody who shows us support and love.
1: You the best.
0: <laughs> but with that being said, it is time for us to end this episode. So thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. Whoa. Night City. You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a Cyberpunk Red live play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos survive the streets, and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever else you get your podcast. DJ Sparks out. Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5 e DD D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. yeah, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.